Oh, well, hello and welcome. Hello. <laughs> You're a little... I picture you just, like, peeking around to, like, a corner and weeping. <laughs> hello. <laughs> I could say, welcome uh, to my favorite haunting. The podcast, episode 45. I'm Mel. I'm Ames. Uh, what do we have today? I have announcements, but we're going to save them for the end. Okay. They're secret announcements. There's, it's a surprise. You know it already. But if you want to <laughs> act surprised. I always know the surprises. Yeah. Nothing's really ever a surprise. Sometimes there is. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I pull the rug out from under you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, wait, we didn't discuss this first. <laughs> nope. I'm making it up as I go. No, this one you know about already. We 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 booked the tickets for this already. <laughs> but you can act surprised for the sake of our audience if you would like. Okay. I can do that. Okay. Sounds like a plan. In the meantime, should we talk about ghosts? Hey, why not? Would you like to go first? Uh, I can go first this time. Okay. Works for me. Okay, so I did the Turner Ingersoll Mansion, also known as the House of the Seven Gables, in Salem, Massachusetts. Yeah, Salem, where they killed all those people for no reason. Yeah. Okay, so some of the history on the house. Um, The original two-and-a-half-story Gothic-style structure was built in 1667 by Captain John Turner. Not William Turner. No. No. I'm so, I I hear Turner and that's the I immediately Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Bootstrap Bill. And then I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> and then John Turner II increased the family fortune and the house and in 1692-93 to protect his sisters in case of accusations of witchcraft during the witch trials. He built a hidden staircase. You enter it from the left side of the fireplace, and then it goes up behind the fireplace into a hidden attic space. That's amazing. I love hidden staircases. (laughs) I keep hoping to find one in my house. I haven't yet. (laughs) Yet. And then John Turner III gambled away the family fortune and lost the house. No! (laughs) Dumbass. So in 1782, it was purchased by Captain Samuel Ingersoll, who married Susanna Hawthorne, granddaughter of John Hawthorne, one of the judges at the Salem Witch Trials. He was also called the Hanging Judge. Oh no, that doesn't sound good. No. In 1804, Ingersoll caught typhoid fever and died at sea. His son also died of typhoid fever, So his daughter, Susanna, inherited the house. And then in 1845 to 1849, Susanna became good friends with her cousin, Nathaniel Hawthorne. How good of cousins? Not kissing cousins. Okay. (laughs) Whew, I thought we were going to take a turn. No, no, no. He (laughs) He just spent a lot of time at the house during this period, 1845 to 1849. And Susanna, like told him the history of the house and stuff like that, which will come up later. Uh, Susanna became a spinster, but she adopted a child by the name of Horace Connolly. Horace? Yep, Horace. 
Horace. I love that name. If I ever have a bulldog, his name will be Horace. <laughs> One of them. That's totally, totally related. It's a completely related topic. Of course it is. <laughs> In 1858, Susanna died. Horace inherited everything and remodeled the house before blowing the fortune Susanna had earned. And in 1879, he lost the house to creditors. People don't have good luck with this house. Like, they just no, think- I was just thinking that. I'm like, this house does not do well with money. Well, the people who own the house do not do well with money, I should say. <laughs> yeah. So after Horace lost the house, it was rented out or sat vacant on and off for a few years. And then in 1883, it was bought by Henry Upton. He was the first owner to claim the house was the inspiration for Nathaniel Hawthorne's book, The House of the Seven Gables. And he started giving tours of the house for a quarter to those interested in its literary history. Ida, his daughter, began a line of souvenirs, which which was China that she hand-painted, that she sold in a newly constructed replica of Hepzibah's scent shop attached to the Turner Street side of the house, which this scent shop is from the book, not anything in real life. So it's a replica from the book. It's like, I, I was confused at first. I'm like, a replica of what? No, no one named Hepzibah was <laughs> ever mentioned in the history before. <laughs> then I looked into it well, more. and Wasn't... Oh, no, I'm thinking of something else. Never. Disregard. <laughs> Not even close. Okay, so in... I'm thinking of... Wait, I'm wait. sorry. Time out. Time out. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking of Hepzibah Smith. Where is that name from? I don't know. I'm going to Google it. Because first I was like, oh, that's the demon that was in the parent house, but that was Bathsheba. <laughs> that's why I was like, nope. Nope, that's not right. Hepzibah. Oh, look, it came right up. Hepzibah Smith. Who are you? Oh, my God. <laughs> what? I thought it might be something like this. <laughs> um, she was a witch who claimed to be descended from Helga Hufflepuff. Being very rich, Hepzibah was an avid collector of magical antiquities, including objects that belonged to the founders of Hogwarts. Her two most prized possessions were Helga Hufflepuff's cup and Salazar Slytherin's locket. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that that knowledge has just really seeped into my subconscious. <laughs> I had a feeling, too, because I'm like, I feel like that's a Harry Potter name. That sounds like a Harry Potter name. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Anyway, moving along. (laughs) In 1908, Carolyn Osgood Emerton bought the property. She was a philanthropist and preservationist and founded the House of the Seven Gables Settlement Association to assist immigrant families who were settling in Salem in the early 20th century. She restored the house to as close as possible to its 17th century post-medieval roots and added a seventh gable to the design, bringing it in line with the description of the house in the book. Carolyn and the House of the Seven Gables Settlement Association also bought and moved five additional 17th, 18th, and 19th century structures 
creating a house museum park on the property. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so it, the different houses are called the Retire Beckett House, the Hooper Hathaway House, the uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne's Birthplace, the Fippin House, the Counting House. <laughs> oh, that's all of them. <laughs> I thought there was one more. The Counting House? Yeah, I. that's what it's called. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, okay, so either they... They sat in there and they counted, or, like, the count lived there. <laughs> One house. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Two houses. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I'm sorry. He was one of my favorites. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. The count was one of my favorites, too. Him and Cookie Monster. Um, now it's on the National Register of Historic Places. And in 1942, when Carolyn died, the ownership of the museum went to the House of the Seven Gables Settlement Association. And every October, the house offers spooky tours as well as weekly performances of two plays, The Legacy of the Hanging Judge and Spirits of the Gable House. Plays? That sounds fun. And you can see some pictures of the property on sevengables.org. Um, do you spell out seven or is it the number seven? No, nope, number seven. Sorry. Okay. Number seven. So number seven gables.org. Yes. Okay. So that was all of the history and we can move on to the hauntings. So I was like, you sound like you're done, but you can't be done. I haven't heard anything about ghosts yet. <laughs> Okay, so they have the more common claims of cold spots, being touched by unseen hands, hearing screams. This one's a little different. Hearing deep growling sounds. Oh, no. And other strange sounds. That's not okay. <laughs> um, objects move by themselves. And a chair rocks by itself. No, that's still not okay. <laughs> that's like remember the woman in black when he walks in the room and the chair is like rocking like so hard it's about to tip over yes and then the camera angle changes and the chair goes down and it's empty and it swings up and then it comes back down and she's in the chair yeah. no <laughs> no <laughs> no and there's um, a claim from outside, like when people are outside the building, um, they say they hear tapping on the window as if someone's trying to get their attention. Help me, I'm trapped in the house. Uh, water faucets, lights, and other electrical appliances turn on and off by themselves. And um, museum staff and visitors alike have reported the feeling of a strong, unknown, benign presence throughout the mansion. So like... Benign. Yeah, so I guess it's not menacing, which is good. Just kind of hangs out, doesn't really do anything, except turns on all your lights and water, so you have to pay extra utilities. Uh, yeah. And then there's uh, various shadows or silhouettes that have been seen throughout the house. And there's an entity of a female thought to be Susanna Ingersoll. She has been spotted throughout the house and is commonly seen peering out of the windows before vanishing. And there's the entity of a little boy who likes to play around the attic area or out in the gardens and is seen looking out the gable windows. Visitors to the mansion report the house to be quite active, 
particularly on the attic staircase. Some claim to feel dizzy or lightheaded as they ascend the stairs, while others feel an oppressive force pushing down on them. It has also been reported that there is a sensation of being pushed backwards as if something is forcing them out of the attic. Oh, that's someone's lair. I wonder if that's where the growling comes from. (laughs) I don't know. There wasn't a particular location for the growling. It just seemed to be... I mean, attics and basements, right? That's where things like to, like, make layers and hide. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you say, like, growling like that, like, I immediately... Not that this is necessarily what it is, because it's not the only qualifier, but I immediately go to demon. No. Like, that sounds just... Yeah. Really menacing. Like, you're growling at me? What? Unless it's, like, a ghost dog or something. Or a ghost cat. (laughs) Or a ghost tiger. I don't know. <laughs> ghost tiger. I mean, I have who a knows ghost tiger what people house. got up to back then, you know? I mean. <laughs> what about a ghost elephant? <laughs> a ghost elephant. I'm being haunted by the ghost of an elephant. That would suck, man. That thing would trash your house. Or just an invisible elephant. Invisible would be even worse because at least a ghost might come and go, but if it's just invisible, like, it's always there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always going to, like, every time it moves, it's going to wreck something. Yeah. So a psychic visited the house. She was taking a tour, and she says she made contact with a presence and took a picture on the back porch of the little boy that's seen playing around the house. I'm not sure if the pictures that I came across are her pictures, or if they're someone else's pictures. But we do have a couple links that we can put up for pictures of a ghost boy around the property. Excellent, because you know how much I love seeing ghost kids. (laughs) It's my favorite thing in the world. This is my sarcastic voice. (laughs) And we have for the last thing one personal experience that i came across so jerry says i actually visited the house of the seven gables back in 1984 with my first husband the tour oh 1984 the best year that ever was yeah sure was it maybe i mean without 1984 we wouldn't be here so i guess so i maintain that It is. (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) The tour of the house was enjoyable and very informative. However, for us, the highlight of the tour was witnessing a rocking chair in the attic rocking by itself. At first, we thought it had been rigged as part of the tour, even though the tour guide and most of the group had already left the room. But when we inspected it closely, we found no wires or strings or anything that could have caused the chair to move. It was an experience that I'll never forget, and I hope to someday return to the House of the Seven Gables and visit whoever or whatever sat in that rocking chair. And that is everything for the Turner Ingersoll Mansion or the House of the Seven Gables. Rocking chairs, man. I don't know what, I mean, I mm, I don't know. I don't know. I just, no, no. <laughs> not okay with it. <laughs> they creep me out. I don't like them. 
And even like, if it's just like in our room and it's not even moving, it's like, I always stare at them, like waiting for them to start moving. Really? Yeah. Like I've always done that. Like my whole life. <laughs> okay. Ames does I don't not know. Like Maybe something happened to me as a child and I like repressed it and blocked it out or whatever. And now I'm like, tra- like subconsciously traumatized by rocking chairs. I don't know. <laughs> But as long as I can remember, every time I've seen a rocking chair, I've always just like, I just stare at it waiting for it to start moving on its own. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I had a rocking chair for years, like, for my boys, and I never, like, thought twice about it. (laughs) I had one, it was like... It was, like, for a kid. Like, it was, like, child-sized, and it was in my room mm-hmm. when I was a kid. And usually, like, one of my dolls or stuffed animals would be on it. Like, I never actually, like, really sat in the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe something happened. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I have definitely sat in them and gone too hard on the rocking and, like, you know, came right to the like tip of the thing <laughs> like right at that point where it's like oh my god I'm gonna go over yeah <laughs> and then you, like your heart stops for a minute you know like when you're in school and you lean back in your chair no <laughs> and there's that one second where it kind of teeters and you're like oh my god <laughs> so we need to buy you a rocking chair right for your house yeah yeah <laughs> so I can take it into the backyard and put it in the fire bed <laughs> You know, it's funny because I I must sound like such a scaredy cat. Like, oh my God, ghost children. Oh my God, rocking chairs. Oh no, these things are horrible. But I mean, it's weird because I still go into these places and, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, everything's scarier in your imagination than real life. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So like thinking about it too much is the problem. If you'd actually seen it, you'd probably just be like, whatever. <laughs> Who or who's there? <laughs> oh, like I did with the shadow person at Rolling Hills. <laughs> I legit thought that it was, well, no, the first one I was like, what the fuck? Like for a second, I thought somebody else was in the building. And then Anthony was like, did you see that too? And, but then the other one, when we were, when we were investigating and it was all dark, I legit thought it was one of the other guys because mm-hmm. I knew that they were up there. So I think that's why that didn't, like, freak me out at first. Because I was like, oh, they just, it was one of the guys walking past. Yeah. But then they both came from the other direction. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Who is that then? So you got a ghost story? I do have a ghost story. All right. (laughs) I'm a little excited for this one. I hope I do this one. I hope I do this well. So this one requires a backstory. Uh, so back in November, the first weekend of November, so it's like right, it was like November 1st. It was like right after Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, Waverly Hills does, uh, a haunted house in part of the building, like the basement, the building. And, um, friend Angie lives in Indiana, which is not far from, well, yeah, Indiana is not far from where she is in Indiana is not far from Louisville. <laughs> so she was like, do you want to come? for the weekend and go to the, to Waverly for the haunted house. And I was like, yeah, sure. And 
you know, we were like, oh, maybe we can do like a tour or something, but they have it. They like they had the whole thing kind of closed down for the haunted house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it includes like a little mini tour. So we did get to go like to the main hot spots in the building with a guide. Yeah. But, like we couldn't do any investigating or anything like that. But, um, you know, we had to like see some of the the spots in the rooms and stuff, which was cool. Um, and also that haunted house. I was like. Because when these places, like, when they start doing haunted houses like that, my first, it, like, reaction is kind of, like, eye roll, really. Like, come on. But there, it was actually really good. And and fun fun little thing that happened at the end, because we were there late. It was the end of the night, so there weren't many people there. And we ended up getting separated from the group that we went in with mm-hmm. to the haunted house. And so it was just the two of us and... So they were picking on us because it was just the two of us going through, which is fine. And we, but we get to the end and they kind of like, there's like the exit and you come outside and they kind of like chase you out. Mm -hmm. And then Angie, I was like, oh my God, get away. And like, you know, like moving quickly. And then Angie kind of just stops and turns around and starts talking to the guy (laughs) as she does. Cause that's Angie. (laughs) She's fucking great. Um, so so they start talking and there wasn't really anybody else around. They were getting ready to close up for the night. So um, I wandered back over and I was like, what What are you doing? Oh, those guys trying to kill you with a chainsaw. What's happening? <laughs> You're just having a conversation with your murderer. And um, so she was talking about how, like, you know, we wanted to come to do an investigation. But, you know, they're doing the haunted house, blah, blah, blah. So the guy, there was, like, inside the door, there was, like, a... Um, like a fence that, and it was like a chain link fence and it was kind of like covered with like cloth or whatever. And he goes, Oh, well, do you want to see something cool? And he kind of pulled the fence back a couple inches and he goes peek in there. And it was the top of the body chute. It was like the entrance to the body chute. You could see like down the hallway and then you could see where it kind of started to slope down with the steps. Mm -hmm. Like that was cool. It was cool. Anyway. Um, so while we did this, we stayed at this hotel in, Louisville called the Sealback. It's a Hilton now, but you wouldn't know that. Like, it's so weird to think like it's a Hilton, and then you walk in and it's like this opulent. Like, it's so old, and it just it's so it it's such a cool fucking building. So, anyway, so that's the backstory of how I came upon this. Um, we uh, we ended up. I had known that there were stories associated. But I didn't know, like, any specific rooms or really any specific details. It's famous for the the lady in blue, so we'll get to her. I got most of my information from this little book called The Sealback, A Centennial Salute to Louisville's Grand Hotel by Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson has been working at The Sealback since 1982, um... We saw him while we were there. He was giving a tour <laughs> to another group. And he's won like a, is it Bellman of the Year? I, I'm so sorry. I can't remember his exact title at this moment. But he's won like award, like hotel awards mm-hmm. for being so good at his job. So he seems like a really cool guy. Um, and then from a couple of newspaper articles and also um, some information from um, their head of security, Patrick, who gave us a tour. Cool. That night. So, anyways, we'll get to all that because I don't want to get ahead of myself because <laughs> I get excited <laughs> like a chihuahua. 
<laughs> and then this happened and then that happened and then, oh, but I forgot this other thing that happened before. So, okay. So here we go. Buckle up. It's going to be a ride. Okay. So the Sealback Hotel. Oh, so this is not historic. It's just a fun fact, but it's right across the street from 4th Street Live. It's like this kind of outdoor venue. It's almost like a little alleyway and it's blocked from traffic mm-hmm. and it's lined with like a bunch of restaurants and bars. And when we were, that was the other reason we were there was they were doing bacon and bourbon or pig and sip something. I don't know. It was some kind of festival with bacon and bourbon <laughs> and you got vouchers to go around to the carts and get ba- like so many bacon dishes and so many, and I don't drink bourbon. So when I got myself a, a bacon bloody Mary, which was amazing. And um, a bunch of other bacon. It was really good. Anyway, um, it's just a fun fact. It's like right across the street and they do fun stuff there. So cool. anyway, so, okay. Seal back. It is an old, absolutely beautiful hotel and it's a Hilton now, which you would never guess by looking at it, but it's got all this old charm and like tons of history, even <gasps> a murder. <laughs> Pause for dramatic effect. At least one murder. Well, I guess possibly a murder because it's unsolved. I think it's a murder. So this guy, this guy, Louis Sealback, he comes to America from Bavaria in 1869, and he settled in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, He started working in the hotel industry, in the more prominent hotels in the area, and he did that for about five years before he opened his own restaurant, which was incredibly successful. So successful that he had to move it to a larger premise in 1880. And then in 1885, he and his brother Otto formed the Sealback Hotel Company. Um, They opened 30 rooms over the restaurant a year after that. Um, So they go into business together and in 1885 and in 1886, they're ready to open up the 30 rooms in the building above the restaurant. Over the years, more rooms are added. Building is renovated. Um, in 1900, women are admitted for the first time. It's like, yay! <laughs> they, We're it was a hotel for too. just men? Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> if a woman came, she had to be escorted. And then there was a ladies' lounge uh, that they had to wait in if the man was going to go off and like have a meeting or something. Okay. So it was like, and there was a gentleman's only club, mm-hmm. which was when they started admitting women, they moved that up to the top floor. But yeah, it was, it was gentlemen only. Hmm. How rude. Like a fraternity, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. We don't need you. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, so over a few more years, Marks, they've expanded more. They renovated, um, in 1918, uh, this is, this is cool. F. Scott Fitzgerald stayed here Mm -hmm. and he was so inspired by it. He put it into, um, this short little drabble that he wrote. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, the great Gatsby. Oh, Uh, does that sound familiar? Just just a smidge. Some people have heard of it. heard of it. It's, um, one of those obscure works. I think that not many people know about, um, (laughs) (laughs) um so the grand ballroom he made that so he worked the hotel into the book and he made the grand ballroom um the setting for tom and daisy's wedding ah so they were married in the grand ballroom which i have a story about the grand ballroom later so many more years many more renovations go by lewis silback passed away in 1925 
A flood devastated the city in 1937, but the sailback survived due to private wells and generators. Uh, Prohibition came through and then ended. They, oh, okay. So in the basement, this hotel, they have the Rathskeller. So if you remember a couple episodes ago, I did the Athenaeum and they had a Rathskeller. Oh, yes. So a Rathskeller is, you know, basically just like a tradition German kind of like beer hall. Mm -hmm. This Rathskeller... (laughs) is fucking amazing. So it's a one of it's literally a one of a kind. It's the only room in the world that is crafted entirely of rookwood pottery. I just my it, mouth tried to say pottery. I don't know why. It's a room made of pottery? Yes. So what they do, it's like um it's like uh at least double fired, so they gla- they take the the pottery like the tile and they glaze it and they fire it. But then if they're going to like put a design on it, so they draw it and then fire it. And then they put a color and fire it. And they have to fire it every time they put a new color. Oh, so wow. they do one color at a time. The entire room is this. And it's like all these archways. I have pictures. It's so beautiful. It's uh, Today it's like a, an event venue. They had, in fact, the day we were there, I think they had, they were just finishing up an anniversary party, like someone's 50th anniversary or something, I think. But it's so beautiful. Anyway, the point of that was Prohibition came and they they had to close it. And then um, when Prohibition ended, they were able to reopen it and start serving alcohol again. What's the point of that? See, I get excited. (laughs) So that's the 30s. Um, The hotel changed owners a few more times. And in 1975, because the downtown was deteriorating so much, everything was going out and it eventually closed in um, 1975. But then it was purchased, restored and reopened in 1982. Changed hands a few more times, a few more renovations. In 2017, Rockbridge Capital and Muscleman Hotels Management um, partnered and bought the hotel. And that brings us about up to date. Um, A few more historical fun facts. Al Capone hung out here. (laughs) He had, so on the mezzanine level, there's a restaurant, the Oak Room. Um, The food is, so we didn't get to eat there, but the food is supposed to be absolutely amazing. Um, It's like whatever those like i don't know how food ratings work but like whatever four or five diamond or whatever like it's like one of the top top uh restaurants so there's a little room in there mm-hmm. and that was al capone's poker room it was like a little separate room mm-hmm. so there were these big doors at the front of the room and they were spring-loaded and he would have a lookout standing like in the hallway and there was a little like button on the floor so if the cops came, his little lookout would just step on the button and the spring-loaded doors would slam shut. <laughs> so everyone in the room could get, like, put the poker game, because poker, you know, gambling yeah. is illegal. So they get all the money off the table and whatever. And then there was a little secret door in the corner and he would open the door and there's a little secret staircase and he'd run down the staircase <laughs> and those stairs came out right next to the Rathskeller in the basement. <laughs> and from there, he'd go through there, into the kitchen, through the kitchen. And then there's a little sub-basement with a secret tunnel. Wow. That took him out a few blocks over to, like, the shore of the river. <laughs> wow. Um, 
it's really fucking awesome. Um, there was a fire. Oh, I have the year in here somewhere. I don't know. There was a fire that um, destroyed most of the staircase, unfortunately. So Aww. the doors are like the secret door is like sealed up. But um, the the bottom part of the stairs is still there. See, see, I like secret staircases. See, we both mm-hmm. had secret staircases. Uh this was a fun thing. This guy, Zach Jacoby, moved into the seal back on opening day, May 1st, 1905. And he lived there for 45 years. Wow. He broke the previous record for length of stay in a hotel, which had been held by some guy from L.A., and his record was 41 years. Um, Jacoby was an executive for the Kaufman Strauss Company for 37 years. He retired in 1925 and continued living in the hotel until he had to move into a nursing home in 1950. He passed away three years later. Wow. Um, there's no specific accounts of him haunting the building, but I feel like 45 years in a hotel, right? Yeah. Wouldn't be beyond belief. Um, And then the hotel hosted like a ton of presidents. I think Taft, uh, Roosevelt, Kennedy, um, Clinton was there. Bush Jr. was was there. Um, And then a bunch of movies have been filmed there too, including The Hustler in 1959 and Stripes in 1979. Mm -hmm. So was that fun? I thought that was fun. Even without the ghost, you guys, this hotel is, oh my God, it was so beautiful. We went exploring on our own when we first got there and it just like, it's so gorgeous. The lobby, oh my God, the lobby is amazing. When they were doing the renovations in, I think in to open in 82, they were taking off the ceiling in the lobby or not quite the ceiling, but like the ceiling is really, really high. So it's like the wall, the wall under the ceiling, mm-hmm. I don't know, like the top of the wall, like way high up. Um, they were removing like all the layers and layers of paint. And then there was like three layers of wallpaper. And when they got that off, there were these gorgeous murals. Wow. Like beautiful murals that have been painted. And so they're there now. They um, like restored them and touched them up and everything. It's so beautiful. Um so anyways, that's enough of my rambling. So on to the ghosts. <laughs> so the first report of a ghost encounter was in 1983 in Otto's Cafe. So the cafe then was different than it is now. It was smaller. So I guess now there's this row of columns. So if you go um, that row of columns, it used to be a solid wall and there was um, there were, it was lined with mirrors. So one night, I think it was like December, an employee is in there. It's the end of the night and he's cleaning up to close down for the night. And he glances up into the mirror and he sees this old woman in the reflection. She's sitting at a table and she's kind of raggedy looking. Um, he, he, you know, pegs her as a homeless person. Mm-hmm. and she, But she's wearing this like giant big, giant big, yeah, because those mean different things. Um, this big floppy orange hat (laughs) he figures she's just trying to stay warm so he's like you know whatever he's apparently a nice guy and he's gonna let her stay till he has to lock up so he keeps going around you know wiping down tables doing whatever it is he's doing and he keeps glancing up in the mirror to see if she's still there she's still there 
So then he finishes up and it's time to go. So he turns around to tell her she's going to have to leave and she's gone. <laughs> of course. And he's like, wait, but I didn't hear the door open. I, she was just there. So he turns around, looks in the mirror and she's there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a surprise. The table and she's gone. Yeah, she was like, just, he could only see her in the mirror. But she was there. So he calls security. Because <laughs> what are they going to do? I don't know. But by the time they get there, she's gone from the mirror. And so he gives them the description and they search the whole building and they don't find anybody. Okay, end of story, right? So you think. <laughs> Later. <laughs> One year later, Ooh. different employee is cleaning up at night and looks in the mirror and sees who he thinks is a homeless lady in a big floppy orange hat. Oh. Um, turns around, she's gone. Turns around, she's in the mirror. So he, you know, freaks out. Same thing. Calls security. And, you know, they look and she's gone. They don't find anybody matching the description. So when the head of security goes to, like, make the report or whatever, and he's looking back in the logs, and exactly one year ago to the day, at almost the exact same time, he finds the original report wow. of the other employee seeing her in the mirror. Um, so there's no records of deaths or anything in the cafe, but the cafe hasn't always been a cafe. It's been a bunch of different things. So, you know, we don't know. We don't know who she is, but, um, <laughs> and she hasn't been reported since then. So, but yeah. <laughs> but but why call security? <laughs> I don't understand. I know. Like, I mean, but I mean, I guess that's like your first, like, what, I don't know what to do. I'll call 911 kind of thing. Right? Because they'll they'll know. They'll know what to do. Somebody will help me. I don't know what to do, but somebody should be able to help me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I mean like I know like I know reports of people who have called nine one one like because their house is haunted. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, what is what are the cops gonna do? Yeah. Cause that's who's gonna come. <laughs> and yeah, like what are they gonna do? Like they're not trained for that but in the moment especially if stuff's being like thrown at you or something yeah you know you need help what what's your first instinct you know i'll call for help 911 yeah i like that one that was a, a, a twist that was fun right yeah <laughs> in general so i'm i'm saving the 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 famous one for last um in general around the hotel you get orbs everywhere uh, cold spots, um, especially in and around the Rathskeller and, um, like the Capone's, um, little, uh, poker room hideout. Um, there's one account, um, Patrick showed us this picture. Our, uh, wait, did I already introduce Patrick? Yes, I did. So on our tour, so it was just me and Angie and our tour guide, Patrick, who, um, works security for the hotel, um, which super cool guy had so many stories. Oh my God. Could pick his brain all night. He was showing us when we were in, in the poker room, he showed us a photo. So a woman was visiting at the time there was a table and chair set up in the room. When we were there, there was no table set up, so there was nowhere to sit. But um, in the photo, so she sits at the head of the table 
and someone took our photo there. And in the photo, she's the only one that was sitting there. Mm -hmm. But in the photo, like kind of like near her elbow, kind of like, like looks like it's crouched down next to her was this creepy little face. Oh, so I don't know who that was. It didn't look like Al Capone, but, um, yeah, so that happened. Um, so Patrick was super informative, super cool. And he had so many photos on his phone of like orbs and stuff and like different anomalies, like some faces and like all these, like all from around the hotel. So, and you know, I'm like sketchy on orbs. Mm-hmm. I'm always really skeptical about orbs unless they're accompanied by something else. Because so many things can look like an orb. Yeah. You know, a bug, dust, a light reflection, like any of that stuff. So, but he had a, he had a lot and some of them were like, mm, yeah, I don't know. I can't really explain that one. So the most famous ghost story associated with the hotel, also surrounded by controversy, of course. I know my opinion, but first I will present the facts. <laughs> So the most famous is um, the lady in blue. One morning in 1987, a hotel chef was making waffles on the mezzanine for brunch. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, saw something move out of the corner of his eye and he looks up and he sees a woman with dark hair wearing a blue dress walk into the elevator. Um, except the doors were closed. Oh. <laughs> she walked through the door. So he freaks out and calls who? Security. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Who start looking around for a woman in a blue dress with dark hair. Um, Not long after that, like a few minutes later, a maid made the exact same report, but up on the eighth floor, same elevator, like same shaft, Mm -hmm. (laughs) shaft, same elevator shaft, uh, but up on the eighth floor, woman in a blue dress, dark hair, walked into the the elevator but the doors were closed so you know security looks everywhere they don't they don't find her no one knew who she was or you know what the deal was and she wasn't seen again in 1992 a hotel employee came across an old newspaper article from 1936 26 year old patricia wilson who was born as pearl may elliott had been found dead on the top of the dummy elevator car in the sealback on the morning of July 15th, 1936. Wow. And it it was the elevator shaft that the woman had been seen going into. Um, it used So the dummy elevator, they used to use it to bring the linens up mm-hmm. from the laundry. So, like, people didn't ride in it. And it would, um, it was only for, like, you'd load it up and send it to wherever it was going. So her cause of death was ultimately ruled an accident. Um, but there are a couple more interesting versions out there. But this is where all the controversy comes in because nobody really quite knows the full story and there's like contradictions. Mm-hmm. So the first one is Patricia and her estranged husband, Charles, were planning to meet at the Sealback Bar in an attempt to reconcile their relationship. Um, while she was waiting, Charles was killed in a car accident on his way there. She threw herself down the elevator shaft out of suicidal grief. I don't know if you can tell, but I don't believe that one. (laughs) I don't like that one. Um, First of all, so you go up to the eighth floor, pry open the doors, I guess, and, and just 
jump and I, I don't know. I don't like that one. Um, she was either separated or recently divorced. That's true. Um, but she had life insurance and no, no like spouse or significant other ever like came forward to try and claim any of it. So, Hmm. so the second one is a 1955 article in true detective magazine included testimony from witnesses who placed ex-lieutenant governor. What the fuck? Autocorrect governor. There's no F in that word. (laughs) Come on. I didn't type that. Anyway, okay. Uh, Testimony from witnesses who placed ex-lieutenant governor Henry Denhart at the seal back the night of Patricia Wilson's death. So this one gets a little complex. It's a little messy. So according to Margaret Bateman, who worked for the Kentucky Department of Tourism, her father was assigned to active duty training at Fort Knox in 1935. So, yeah, (laughs) stay with me here. (laughs) One night, so one night, you know, military guys, they're, you know, horn dogs. So they're going out looking for a good time. It's fine. Um, And this guy is so cute, like, telling the story to her because she said, he said, she said, he said, um, he's like, I shouldn't be telling you this, but it was before I met your mother. So, (laughs) you know, it's not, it's not as bad as it sounds. (laughs) oh sweetie (laughs) um so the guys go out one night looking for a good time and they're directed by locals to a house of ill repute Mm. my favorite phrase in the world on fifth street so it's like you know around the corner from the hotel the hotel's on fourth street um so they were shown four girls one of whom was a quote knockout and referred to as lucy a year later he's assigned at fort knox again and on an he's got time off for the night or whatever. And he goes out and he goes back to that house and he asks for Lucy and they tell him Lucy died in an elevator accident. So, you know, he thinks Lucy was, you know, Mm -hmm. Patricia's slash Pearl's like code name. I don't know what you call that. Working. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Working. So this brings us to the theory. Okay. So if Lucy is Pearl slash Patricia, who is separated or divorced, possibly considering reconciling with her husband, ex-husband, but has been working as a woman of the night. Along comes this Brigadier General, ex-Lieutenant Governor Henry Denhart, who just a few months later will be arrested for murdering his girlfriend or fiance. I think they were engaged. Verna Gar Taylor. That trial... The trial for that resulted in a hung jury, and before he could be retried or investigated properly in regards to um, Pearl slash Patricia's death, Verna's brothers came up and gunned him down. Oh. Because they thought he was going to get off, so they were like, nah, fuck you, you killed our sister. How I see it, um, you know, he's seen this prostitute. She's talking about getting back with her husband, which means he's not going to be able to see her anymore. Gets upset, beats her up, throws her down the elevator shaft. Mm-hmm. They each, so with the the coroner's inquest eventually said it was like she was at the bar, she was drunk, and she went up to the eighth floor and accidentally opened the door to the elevator and fell down <laughs> while she was looking for the bathroom. I'm like, okay, wait. First of all, there's no bars on the eighth floor. The bars are all downstairs. So the fuck is she doing up on the eighth floor? Yeah. She has no reason to be up there. 
unless she had a room up there, but they said they say that she wasn't registered. But if he was up there, if this guy Denhart had a room up there mm-hmm. and she went up to see him or he brought her up, that I could see. Mm-hmm. But I don't buy she's down in the bar, she's drunk, she was looking for the bathroom, ends up on the eighth floor and then opens the elevator shaft thinking because at the time it was the door looked like a door. Oh, so it had a knob. But like it's locked until it stays locked until the elevator. Remember my building in Queens? It was like yeah. that. It looked like a regular door. And you just pulled it open, but you could only pull it open when the car was yes, there. Yes, yes. So I don't I don't buy that. I think that's bullshit. I think she was murdered. And I I think I think she was in the bar or started out in the bar and then either this guy came along or she went up to see him or whatever and they had a fight. That's what I think. There were because there's these two witnesses that placed him in the hotel mm-hmm. that night. So anyway. That's my, those are my thoughts. <laughs> anyway, um, in 2004, a newlywed couple was staying in a room on the eighth floor. The exact room is not specified, but given the circumstances, I think it's going to be. So there's a room around the corner from the elevator that has um, like reports of just like general like haunting mm-hmm. stuff. Um I assume it's that room. I would assume it's that room. But anyway, um, the husband of the newlywed couple woke up in the middle of the night absolutely freezing and, like, shivering and everything and looks over to see his wife is all, like, bundled up and, like, in the covers. Mm -hmm. So he looks around the room and at the window is standing a man, like, looking out. Like, he has the curtain pulled back and he's, like, looking out the window. Mm -hmm. So the husband's like, who the fuck is in the room? And he goes and turns on the light, and immediately the man at the window disappeared. Ooh. So that running theory is that it's Charles Wilson who finally came back to meet his wife and is, like, waiting for her, like, looking for her. Here's the fun story. When Angie and I stayed there, so we didn't know, we knew, like, the basic kind of stuff, but we didn't know, like, which rooms were purported to be haunted or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, but we just figured, you know, we'll go, we'll roll the dice, whatever happens, happens. Um, so Hilton, I don't know if if anybody has uses the um, the Hilton app, but they have, um, like digital check-in and digital key and everything. You do it all on your phone. So you don't even have to stop at the desk. Cool. You go to, you check in on the phone and it gives you the floor plans of all the floors that, and like your room type that you reserved and you can pick whatever's available. Cool. So I'm looking at the floor plan and... I was looking at the eighth floor and (laughs) looking at the floor plan and I'm like, damn, that room in the corner, I really want that one. It's so big. And it was, it was our room type that we had reserved, Mm -hmm. but somebody had taken it already, but it was like the biggest one on the floor. So I was like, or it was bigger than the other ones anyway, that, um, that were available. And I was like, damn, I really want that one. Um, but it was taken. So I took the one next to it. (laughs) Which was still, was like the next big, it was still a good size, whatever. Then, so we checked in, we picked the room and checked in and everything. And I tried to download the digital key. And for some reason it wasn't working with my phone. Like my phone wouldn't recognize it. wouldn't do it. So we had to go get, cause you just use your phone and like tap on the reader on the mm-hmm. door. Um, you know, like you use your phone to tap to pay for stuff. Yeah. I guess it works the same way. Um, but it, it wasn't working with my phone. So I was like, oh, I guess we had to stop at the desk anyways. Cause you know, I don't like to talk to people. <laughs> so if I don't have to stop and talk to somebody. 
<laughs> Even better. I can be in and out. Nobody has to know I'm here. Um, <laughs> so whatever. So we stop at the front desk and I'm like, oh, we checked it on the app, but the digital key's not working. So we need, you know, real keys. And um, so, you know, she's making small talk while she's on the computer or whatever. And she's like, so what are you in town for? Blah, blah, blah. And you know, we're like, oh, we're going to Waverly Hills tonight and blah, blah, blah. And then she like kind of is looking at the computer and then she looks up and she goes, oh, that's cool. Um, did you mean to pick the room next to the haunted one? <laughs> <laughs> and we, me and Angie looked at each other and we looked back at her and we're like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> what do you mean? So it was the room that we had gotten. The first one that I was looking at that I was like, oh, I want that mm-hmm. one. That's the haunted one. That's Pearl slash Patricia's room, they call it. <laughs> They refer to it as her room. So we, we had no, we literally had no idea. And we we're like that close to it. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And then it's right around the corner from the elevator that the maid saw her, her ghost walking into. So, um, yeah. So nothing happened to us in the room that night, um, that we know, that we noticed, that we know of. Um, but I also would guess that her room is the one that the newlywed couples stayed in mm-hmm. in 2004 when they saw the man at the window. That's just an assumption. I don't know that. I, I have no idea. Um, I'm just putting the pieces together. So um, she gets us our, our keys and everything. And then she says, if you want, if you want like a, a ghost tour, come back after 11 and ask for Patrick. He's like the ghost expert and he'll take you around the hotel and like show you like all the haunted spots and everything. <laughs> so we were like, okay. So we went about our day. We went to the bacon festival and we went to Waverly and we came back and we went, when we came back, we went straight to the front desk and we were like, is Patrick in? <laughs> we were supposed to, we're supposed to ask for Patrick. <laughs> So we did. We met him. He was already on a tour with somebody else, but he finished that up and uh, took us around. Um, showed us all his, like, creepy photos and the f- orbs on the photos of orbs and everything that he's got. Took us on a really great tour, like, showed us everything. My only regret about it is that I didn't have any equipment with me because I wasn't expecting. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So um, hopefully next time I'm there... I'll be able to bring like at least, you know, a voice recorder and an EMF meter. Mm-hmm. We did spend a lot of time in in um like the Rathskeller and the Grand Ballroom. Um and there was another ballroom downstairs and we took a bunch of pictures with our phones, which, you know, better than nothing, yeah. I guess. So and then when we went back through them later, there were two that stood out. We had a bunch of false alarms. There were a few that we got like really excited mm-hmm. about and then we we're studying them and we were like, oh no, that's just, that's, that's our shadow. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's, you know, a reflection. Yeah. So, um, just to show that we don't just jump on every little thing and be like, oh my God, it's a ghost. The first one was actually in the afternoon right after we got there and we did our like own little exploration and I was just taking pictures of the stuff that was cool mm-hmm. looking. And I actually didn't even find this one until yesterday when I was going through them again. <laughs> and you know I'm not a fan of orbs. Yeah. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm not an orb person. Um, I'm just I I just don't. By in themselves, I they're too easy to um, 
mistake as something else or for something else. So, but we were on the bottom of um, Capone's secret staircase, mm-hmm. like right outside the Rathskeller, um, which it's not really, the bottom part of the staircase is not really hidden. It's just, um, it just is off to the side. Um, and it leads up, there's like a little set of stairs that leads up like like a half floor mm-hmm. and it goes into this room that they use as kind of like an office or like a staging area for like um like bridal parties when they do like um wedding receptions mm-hmm. there uh so there's like this little half set of stairs and a set of doors at the top and then the rest of the stairs go up to the left so i kind of went up to the left a little bit just to see what was up there and it's blocked off because that's the up above is that's the staircase that was destroyed by mm-hmm. the fire so it's, you know, it's yeah. not safe. There's like no stairs there. <laughs> so that's blocked off. So I only went up but so far just to take a peek to see what was up there. And then I'm coming back down and I took a picture. I don't know why I took a picture. I guess just to get the angle of looking down the stairs. Um, and Angie's starting to kind of walk. I think we we're like leaving the stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and behind her. It's this little, there's like a little like kind of bluish halo. And in the middle are like four bluish green dots. And it almost looks like at first I was like, it's a reflection of a digital clock somehow. Mm-hmm. But it's it can't be that there's nothing there that looks like that. And what would it be reflecting off of? And then I thought, well, maybe it's like the reflection of my flash off of, because there's a lamp right above it on the mm-hmm. wall. So I was like, well, maybe the flash reflected off the glass of the lamp and made, but I don't think my flash is on because not, everything's kind of dark. Yeah. <laughs> then, so the dots are kind of blurry. So then I was like, my this is my third one now. I'm like, oh, I must have moved the camera. Like I must have moved the phone as I took the picture. But nothing else in the picture is blurry. <laughs> so... Angie's like, I sent it to Angie and I was like, what the fuck is this behind you? (laughs) And she goes, thanks a lot for now. I think something's attached to me or whatever. And I was like, no, no, no. But I'm sorry, Angie. It does. It looks like it's following after her because it's the only thing that's like moving. It looks like it's Mm -hmm. moving because it's like kind of blurred. So I'm like, it's the only thing moving in the picture and it's moving toward like in her direction. (laughs) Sorry, Angie. (laughs) But it um it's like a bluish green and supposedly um bluish green orbs are supposed to be like positive energies. Well, at least there's that. So I mean <laughs> so yeah, so if it is, then it's you know, it's a good thing. It's yeah. Uh the other picture we found um a couple of days after we were there. And um this was up in the grand ballroom. Uh where Tom and Daisy's wedding took place in the Great Gatsby, mm-hmm. which is absolutely beautiful. There's like this old fireplace up there and these chandeliers and it looks really nice. And it's up, I think it's on the top floor. It's really high up. A beautiful view of the city. So Angie took this one and it was me and Patrick standing over. So they had just finished up. I think they had a wedding reception up there and they had just finished up. So like it was still kind of set mm-hmm. up like the round tables and chairs were all over the place. And then there's that, the long table where the wedding party sits. Yeah. So me and Patrick were standing over by the long table in front of the windows talking. 
and like you can see it like immediately it's so creepy off to the left of us in the photo is uh <laughs> i guarantee we were the only three people in that room and as patrick was taking us around he was locking everything up for yeah. the night so there was nobody else in there and this is close enough to us that we at least one of us damn sure would have been like there's a person in here <laughs> yeah <laughs> why who are you why are you in here um it looks like somebody's sitting at the table, kind of like slouched over, like they're like maybe they're sitting. But it's behind the table, and it looks like maybe they're in a chair and kind of slouched down because it's really just like the head and maybe like the very top of like a shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is fucking creepy as hell. And it's like it looks like it's looking at me and Patrick, and it kind of looks like an old school clown because <laughs> it's like all white. And it looks bald, and then it looks like it's got maybe some, like, some kind of makeup around the eyes. I don't know. It's fucking creepy. I mean, I'll post both of these, <laughs> but it it's fucking creepy. Um, <laughs> so I definitely, when I go back there, I definitely want to bring equipment and hit... Um, I already definitely wanted to go back to the grand ballroom, but now I want to go back to that staircase outside the Rathskeller because orbs, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, so, and actually we will be there in April because we are going to investigate at Waverly Hills. Oh my gosh, we are. (laughs) We are. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Are you excited? I can hear the surprise in your voice. (laughs) (laughs) You had no idea. You had no idea why you had to book that flight for Louisville. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so so Waverly, you guys. So anyways, that was the end of my story. <laughs> <laughs> Questions, comments, concerns. So Waverly Hills. So it's going to be a public hunt. Uh, several reasons. Um, they only do private hunts during the week. And I know it's a lot harder for most people to travel during the week because most people have jobs and or school. So the weekends are only public hunts. The private hunts are also really fucking expensive. Mm, yeah really like i don't mind springing for some things but this was a it was a lot uh we we could do like two rolling hills (laughs) (laughs) so um so there will be other people there but um i'm sure we can try to keep our group as together as we can or you can go off and do your own thing i don't they're how they have it set up is not really specific so i'm not sure if it's a like a rote kind of thing where I know Rolling Hills when she does the public hunts she's got each group on a different floor and they Mm -hmm. rotate or if it's just kind of like a free-for-all but you know we'll make it work Uh, it's $75 a person you can book your ticket go to therealwaverlyhills.com slash reservations click on the six-hour paranormal investigations and the date is April 18th so it's um, starts on Saturday the 18th at 11.59 and then goes into Sunday morning. Cool. You are responsible for your travel, lodging, and food. You're welcome to stay wherever you like. We will be at the Sealback. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully I can, um, if there's enough interest, um, if Patrick's working, he can give us another tour. And then, you know, as far as Waverly, same thing as Rolling Hills, meet up somewhere, dinner or whatever beforehand. Um, and then head over together and then just let us know if you're coming so then we can coordinate 
everybody and, and make these plans. Um, DM us through any of our social media platforms or email us, myfavorithaunting at gmail.com. I hope to see you there. It's going to be fun. I mean, if we're there, it's always fun. Oh, so yeah, of course. Regardless of anything else, we'll make it fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for this. Waverly is a beast. It's been on my list forever. Yeah, I was just looking at the magnet you gave me from it, and I was like, that thing's huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am definitely super excited for the body shoot. <laughs> I will walk down there. I will walk that whole thing. The body shoot, and then there's, um, on our mini tour, they took us to one of the rooms where two sisters stayed. One of them passed, one of them mm-hmm. lived. And so... um a lot of people go there, they get activity, um, and they recommend bringing some kind of, like, tribute as thank you, like a flower or something. Okay. Um, and then uh, room 502, where the one nurse hung herself in the hallway, and then the other one went off the, uh, oh, remember when we were debating? I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> when we did that episode, we were debating because they the one nurse, she went off the yes. roof. And they don't know if she was pushed or if she mm-hmm. jumped. But we were like, but it's the fifth floor. But the building is, like, so many stories higher. And, you know, how is it? So it's like a patio. Because they let us walk oh, out there. Okay. So it's like the lower floors extend out. So the fourth floor and down extend out past, um, like, further. Mm-hmm. And then, so it's the roof of the fourth okay. floor. So you can, like, walk out and it's, like, a patio. And it is a low, kind of a low wall. Well, no, I guess it's about my waist high, although I'm short, so. <laughs> and there's, um, there's like, a bathroom right there. I don't know. It's weird. But, yeah, so anyway, so, and then, so that those were the two of the deaths was the nurse that hung herself in the hallway and the nurse that went over off the roof. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Oh, kind of related. Um, there's this, I've been meaning to like tell you about this forever and I don't think I have, but on, I think it's a YouTube series, but I watched it on Hulu, BuzzFeed Unsolved. Hmm. I've never heard of it. Have you heard of it? No. So they do, it, it seems like it's like a whole series of like just mysteries, but Hulu put together a paranormal edition. So it's like all their paranormal episodes Mm. and it's two guys. They kind of reminded me of us a little bit, except they have a, like a show and not a podcast, (laughs) but they like, one's a believer, one's a skeptic and their overall mission is to, well, of the one guy is to prove that ghosts exist. And the other guy is just like, no. And he's (laughs) so like, it gets a little aggravating because He's so skeptical that, like, he dismisses absolutely everything. Is he scully? And the other guy is, like, the other guy I think is fair. Like, he's fair yeah. about it. Um, of, of course, now I can't remember their names because I binged the whole thing, like, three weeks ago. <laughs> and at the time, oh, Ryan is the believer. I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, but they're absolutely hilarious. Um they're just so funny, but they did, um, they started going around to haunted places and spending the night and <laughs> they went to Waverly Hills and they set up 
right in the hallway right outside of 502 like in sleeping bags and ryan was like facetiming his girlfriend (laughs) like in his little sleeping bag and she's like why are you there (laughs) but they're funny they're they're hilarious it's so it's an easy show to just watch um and their investigations are really fun so highly recommend but anyways, I just thought of that because we were talking about Waverly and they, I just thought of when they set up to like camp in front of them <laughs> in 502. Cool. That would be crazy. Like, can you imagine sleeping on the floor, like in your sleeping bag, and then you wake up and look and hanging above you is like ghost feet? Yeah. No. Like hanging right over no your thanks. face. Yeah. And they do have, you can spend the night there. Like, um, instead of getting a hotel, you can do your investigation and stay overnight. But I think it's only for the private hunts. I'm having trouble hearing you. Nobody asked you, Jarvis. What the hell? <laughs> what the fuck? Nobody talked to you. Holy shit. Um, but I think it's only for the private hunts, and then it's like an extra charge, and it's um, you stay in one of the outbuildings. Yeah. So, because I thought of doing that, too. I was like, this could be fun, and then I was looking at the prices, and I was like, mm. <laughs> and it's during the week, so probably not a lot of people are going to be able to come. No, I have to pass. So that's that then. Rate, review, subscribe. Join our Facebook group, my favorite haunted group, the home of the Paranormies, which we still need to make t-shirts for. I'm so sorry. Uh, And I just, you know what that is? My artistic skills are not great. Mm. And I have that. We discussed the idea. Mm -hmm. I like the idea. I don't know how to translate that to (laughs) my hand to put onto a screen (laughs) so still working on that instagram twitter my fave haunting facebook we have a page also my favorite haunting the podcast uh and i think that's it thanks for potting with us